Or I want to see Biden throw a blue shell at Kamala and be like, take this, bitch. That'd be pretty funny. (laughs) What a way for him to announce that he's dropping her from the ticket. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. Oh, let me do that again. My voice cracked when I did it. You know what? I didn't like mine either. Let's just keep all this and just redo it anyway. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Oh, aren't you so perfect, Pam? Getting it right on the first try. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wanted to kick off the show today by sharing some momentous, exciting news Uh, I finally got to meet our social media manager, Chloe, in person for the first time this weekend. She was in Atlanta. So she and I got together at a really cute little breakfast and brunch spot. Mark came as well. And we all just sat around chatting for a couple of hours. It was crazy because even though I've never met her in person before, it didn't feel any different to be talking with her in person than it does talking to her over Zoom and online. So that was really cool. We also did a cute little photo shoot. And I was very thankful to her <laughs> because I, uh, I'm i very bad at doing these things. And I was like, please, I don't want to take a ton of pictures. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 you're good. We're going to do a candid thing, like five minutes tops. And that was exactly what it was and the pictures came out super cute they were cute so thank you chloe very cute and we're glad to hear that it was a nice time and chloe was normal in real life that's always good to hear when (laughs) you make no no i just say that because like (laughs) you know you meet people online and then you meet them in real life no matter who it is it's like how is this going to be is it going to be the same experience is it going to be different we all went through this meeting each other for the first time That's true. Well, we've also all met people that we've worked with or been in fandom with online in past years. And some people are like so outgoing on the Internet and then it takes them a while to pull them out of their shell. So, yeah, at this point, I'm so used to it. Like from time to time, I'll meet a listener too. like sometimes a listener will be like, oh, I'm in Vegas. Uh, I'd love to grab lunch with you or something. And sometimes I'll say, yeah, okay, I'm available. Um, And then it's I'm so used to it at this point. It doesn't even like. It doesn't feel like weird to me meeting somebody from the Internet, quote unquote. But then Mm -hmm. to them, it's always like, wow, this is weird that you're talking back to me right now. (laughs) Chloe's actually going to be coming through Vegas next month on the way to Utah. So I think we're going to get lunch. She's making rounds or something like that. Yeah. But uh, I'm just saying that there will be no photo shoot. We'll take some pictures, but I'm not doing a photo shoot. Okay. (laughs) well, let me clarify. The photo shoot was we found this really cute like plank wood board background that was on the side of a building and Mark stood there with her phone and just did burst mode to catch a bunch of pictures of us standing there talking and hugging and laughing and everything. The perfect Instagram boyfriend. Yeah. So it, it was fine. It was super easy and I didn't have to do anything except be myself, which was really great. What I just took from that is don't bring Chloe near any walls and I should be able to avoid a photo shoot. <laughs> just kidding. Avoid walls. Got it. <laughs> just be like, I'm going to meet you in this like <laughs> cube and it's all just like concrete. No, it's going to be like Breaking Bad where they always meet in the middle of nowhere in a desert. That's where I'm going to be Chloe. <laughs> Chloe, meet me 30 miles south of the know. strip. <laughs> But the desert's pretty aesthetic. It is. It is. I, it is. Actually, that, I would love that. Well, she's saying you're not going to avoid anything, Andrew. She's in the Discord right now. And she says you will avoid Uh-oh. nothing. You can and will do it. Smiley face. <coughs> I'm starting to feel sick. I think I'm going to be <laughs> sick all the way through the end of March. <laughs> is this like... Andrew's suddenly going to get jury duty, too. <laughs> is this like an elder millennial thing that we all hate photo shoots? Because well, I, thing- <laughs> I feel uncomfortable with it. Well, the thing is, I just think we spent so much time feeling like we needed to document everything. And then all of a sudden we decided that it was like it was cringy not to live in the moment. And so then we scaled back and now it's hard to find a happy medium. Yeah. Like, do you guys remember the days of like having taken so many photos that you needed like 
two 200 photo albums on Facebook. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, actually. I, and you would always post your photo albums on Facebook, which is so wild yeah. to me now. I can't imagine posting to Facebook at this point. At this, If I post anything to Facebook these days, it's cross-posting from Instagram. But I will say, at least, you know, my photo shoot experience was so much less time consuming than what I remember documenting my life on social media being like before when I was definitely doing it more. This was just like five minutes, candidates, you're done. Yeah. Boom. I'm, I'm just so, I'm just super playing. Easy. I'm oh, looking forward know, to seeing too. Chloe. Yeah. Anyway, we got some listener feedback, Pam. We did. First up from Patreon, Lauren commented saying, this ethical consumerism conversation is exactly like the story arc of Doug Forsyth and the point system on The Good Place. No matter how hard we try to be a good person, there are so many more silent consequences or decisions. That's such a good point. That's such a great show, too. If you guys haven't seen it. It's a good comparison. Yeah, I haven't. I just know the forking thing. That's about it, though. I would watch it. It's a quick binge. And um, honestly, the like one of the most satisfying series finales I've seen in a really long time, too. Oh, good also, to I'm just really flattered to be compared to The Good Place. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so That's thank true. you for that. <laughs> And then we also got another piece of feedback. This is from Nazanin, who says, hi, everyone. I just came back from my first Bumble BFF date. Oh, it was yay. really nice experience. Special thanks to Andrew for encouraging us to touch grass and meet new people. That's Look at what you're doing, Andrew. That's great. Nobody has done more heavy lifting for Bumble than I have. I have <laughs> brought so many people to Bumble BFF, I think. No, but seriously, I'm so glad to hear that Nazanin had a great experience and somebody else actually tried it too. Yeah. Somebody commented on Nazanin's post. Uh, This comes from Sam who said, glad you had a great experience. I've been playing around with it too since Andrew first mentioned it. I've met some great people, but at the same time, I find it exhausting to keep putting myself out there sometimes. Definitely relate to the most recent discussion around reciprocation. That was a discussion we had in After Dark. So if you missed it for whatever reason, um, it's a good one to listen back to. And like this makes a lot of sense to me. I think that when it comes to like cultivating friendship and making friends, it, I don't think people see it as as an investment in the same way they do like dating, for example. But it is work. It is work and you have to juggle friendships and make sure you're maintaining all of them, uh, at least if you want to, if you want to remain yeah. these people's friends. So it takes some effort. And I guess my recommendation would be just don't. Uh, tear off more than you can chew in terms of how many people that you're meeting. Meet one or two people, try to maintain a friendship or grow a friendship with them for a month or two. Maybe they'll fan out. And then at that point, you can go looking for more people if you need to. But yeah, just don't overwhelm yourself with numerous people and it should be okay. Well, thanks everybody who submits feedback about each episode. We really, really appreciate it. All of these comments came in from Patreon. And speaking of our Patreon, check out our latest variety show on Patreon, where we play the viral New York Times game Connections. The three of us played on camera and we shared the screen and we worked together to complete several rounds. It started off really well. Then we were going crazy by the last <laughs> round. All right. And jumping into our first story here today, um, we're calling this one very affectionately. Hello, fellow kids, because... Biden and Trump are really trying to appeal to millennials and Gen Z, um, specifically that coveted 18 to 34 year old age range, which when I read this article from Axios, I felt really triggered because I am no longer in that age range. (laughs) I recently turned 35. And so now when I check my age group on various forms and things, my age group has changed. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, I think I, it's true elder millennial territory now. Although, I don't know. I feel like um, our friends over at the Forking Fangirls have called us out for claiming to be elder millennials before. So maybe I'm stepping on some toes. No comment. I don't. I'm. That's news to me, but I'll fight that I think them it was an true. Instagram comment. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I remember this. Yeah. Maybe we just maybe we're aging ourselves preemptively or maybe we just come off sounding younger than we are. 
I have thought about what you've been going through, Laura, as well, because I'm 34. And so when I'm answering one of those like age bracket questions, I'm like, oh, man, I'm at the tail end. I'm about to go to like 35 to what, 49 or 44 or something like that. Yeah. Middle age, man. We're here. (laughs) You're there. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Yeah. Andrew, Andrew, you have a couple months left. Make the most of them. I will. I will. (laughs) Speaking of these geriatric presidential candidates trying to get in touch with the kids, as it were, I thought that we could chat about some of the approaches that they've been taking the things that may be working, the things that are definitely way too cringy, and maybe get into some suggestions about things that they should do. Um, Hillary Clinton is obviously not a presidential candidate this time around, but she is a big name in politics. She's obviously going to be caucusing for Joe Biden. And I think one of the first things we noted is that she started trying to get in on the viral trends surrounding Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey by congratulating Taylor's boyfriend and mm-hmm. the Kansas City Chiefs on their Super Bowl win. Did y'all see yeah. this? Yeah. I did. What purpose does it serve to be trying to get down with the kids for Hillary? So honestly, I don't even know if this was entirely her getting down with the kids. I feel like she was playing with the same trend that happens to women all the time. So highly qualified, Hmm. famous and successful women will be referred to as so-and-so's girlfriend, so-and-so's wife. So I feel like she was trying to turn that trend on its head here and then probably say something topical. That's a good point. And I guess another advantage for her would be she can grow her social media following to hopefully have a larger base around election season. So there's something there. Otherwise, I can't figure out why she needs to grow her following. If she's doing it for the good of the country around election cycles, then that's great. Otherwise, I don't see the purpose for her to like really I mean, be trying still, on social media. Well, to that point, she's still an important voice, right? She's mm-hmm. still influential. So I think maybe you're onto something there with using her pl- growing her platform to use it for good at some point or when the time comes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, she already has a pretty substantial platform. Um, but I think there is probably a larger effort underway amongst prominent Democrats to try and help bolster Biden just because he's not performing well in the polls. And we'll chat about some of that in a minute. Um, but who has placed their pre-order for Trump's ugly ass sneakers? <laughs> Y'all heard about this, right? Yeah, I have looked at the website. It's pretty embarrassing. GetTrumpSneakers.com. The Never Surrender High Top Sneaker. Never Surrender to what? (laughs) Well, as people keep pointing out, too, he did surrender. So so why are you saying never surrender? You literally surrendered, and that's where that mugshot came from well biden also got on tiktok for the super bowl and recorded a tiktok that was pretty widely regarded as being cringy talking about the mini size snacks that are so prominent now um and sort of addressing food manufacturers to not take advantage of americans and think that we're so dumb that we wouldn't notice them decreasing portions Oh, shrinkflation. Yeah, yeah, shrinkflation. Mm. Thank you for reminding me of the term he used. Um, but again, this this one to me felt really cringy because nobody expects somebody like Joe Biden to be super proficient with TikTok. Yeah. And it, it definitely gives that like Steve Buscemi, hello, fellow kids vibe. I did yeah. see that... TikTok is actually growing with millennials mm-hmm. and it's a bigger demographic than we previously thought. A lot of people are always saying, oh, it's the youngest generations that are on TikTok. It's mainly Gen Zers on TikTok. But no, it's plenty of millennials on TikTok. So from that perspective, at least putting his face in front of millennials, Gen Zers, anybody else who uses TikTok, it can't hurt. It reminds people that the election is coming up. That said, that shrinkflation video was pretty cringy. So I would rather them just be posting some good snappy comments from Biden when he happens to make them 
from time to time. Mm -hmm. Like a couple of weeks ago when he called on the Fox News reporter and the Fox News reporter asked about his age and he was like, uh, I must be forgetful because I I called on you to yeah. ask a question or something like that. It was great. So just post that kind of thing. Don't force anything. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting because obviously, you know, it's not Biden who's saying I'm going to make this TikTok, right? He has a social media team or a social media manager. And I just don't understand what their game plan is with regards to this, because I don't think it's a bad idea to try and get in on some of these trends. But I just feel like they need to get more creative. Right. And they need to figure out, like, how to do it in a way that feels, to your all's point, organic to Biden. Like, I'm sure you guys have seen that whole like, we are so and so, of course, we're going to blah, blah, blah trend. I think that that would be something that would be perfect, not just for Biden and Harris to get in on, but even like if they have interns like or younger staff, if they utilize something like that, that would be interesting to people to see. That's a really you know? great point. Yes. yes. Because there's so many younger people working at the White House actually doing yeah. all the freaking work. I just think about like Obama had a really young staff, you know, and and I'm sure that he also has younger people that are working for him. And so taking like profiling them or asking them like what they think would be a good move for him on these platforms would probably go way further than what they're already garnering from all of this. Yeah. And I find it so interesting that they're seemingly not doing that because and we'll talk about right. this more a little later, but there are cases where we know of younger people running certain social media platforms like the White House Twitter, for example. And it just strikes me as odd that they're apparently not doing as well <laughs> sourcing that kind of content for TikTok. Mm. Um, which is where they could really make some waves. Um, but Andrew, you caught something that I also have here um, as as a thing that I would really like to see Biden doing and being allowed to do. Biden needs to cut loose. Um, politics is a different game now, and Republicans are playing such a different game than Democrats are. And we get to hear pretty frequently these White House leaks about things that Joe Biden has said behind the scenes that are a little more honestly natural, a little more human, but they don't actually want him to say these things on the record because they don't necessarily fit the vibe of, uh, you know, presidential language. But I think every now and then you have to let that stuff slip and not make it an orchestrated White House leak. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about when Obama, way back when, when he called Kanye West a jackass in front of a room of reporters. So it wasn't like the White House had to leak it. Right. They had footage of it. So. Right. Right. I'm thinking about when Biden whispered into Obama's ear. This is a big fucking deal. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, Joe used to be a lot more uh, of a firecracker. Like, do you remember when What's-His-Face fucked up the uh, swearing-in ceremony during the first inauguration and he had to redo the the swearing-in and Biden was there and he was openly making fun of John Roberts, who I think was the person who performed the swearing-in ceremony in front of the whole country and fucked it up. Um... So, yeah, I mean, I feel like Biden is just I feel like he he feels like in his administration feels like he's writing such a tight line right now that there's very little room for those kinds of things. And I think they would actually humanize him, mm-hmm. which would be good mm-hmm. for him. This um, report actually alleges that Trump is making some inroads with young men by attending lots of different sporting events and that he is even courting more young black men after getting nods from Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent. So those are a couple of notable shifts that we've seen recently because both of these rappers used to be super anti-Trumpers and in more recent history they've softened their views a little bit. And I think the Trump campaign is looking at things like that, as well as some soft polling as an indication that Biden's support with the Black community might not be as strong this time around. And they're definitely 
um, trying to target (laughs) that community for sure. Yeah. And we're going to discuss what we would like to see our elderly presidential candidate do to attract younger voters. But first, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. I think something that would be a great idea for the Biden admin in the campaign is to let Jon Stewart interview Biden. Yeah. And I feel like he will now that Biden is back on The Daily Show. Clearly is sorry. Jon Stewart is back on The Daily Show. Clearly, he's getting a lot of attention with that show. Biden was actually just on Seth Meyers the other night to celebrate the 10th anniversary of that late night talk show with Amy Poehler, because Biden and Poehler were on, I guess, the very first episode Mm -hmm. of Seth Meyers' show. There was a very awkward moment outside of the set, though. I don't know why this happened, but Biden and Seth Meyers went to go get ice cream, I guess, somewhere close to the studio. And they had some press there following their cute little ice cream date. And one of the reporters asked Biden about a potential ceasefire in Gaza. And Biden is sitting there holding an ice cream cone talking about this. And it was so cringe to me. And I just wish Biden had thought in the moment to hand that ice cream cone to one of the million staff members around him at any given moment and then answer that question. Because optics wise, that looks freaking terrible to hold an ice cream cone like you're a five year old while talking about a ceasefire. Oh, God. It was him trying to take a bite for me, honestly, because it was <gasps> such a serious moment. Yeah. Like, holding it was not the issue. It was the fact that he was, like, going in. <laughs> couldn't resist. Of the ice cream. Yeah. And, and Seth Myers is standing there with his ice cream cone. He must be thinking, oh, God. I didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't even clog Seth Myers because I was so enraptured by Biden to your point just like standing there with the ice cream cone I cringed so hard through watching that and it's not even that long it's just a few seconds but the entire time my butthole was just puckered because I was like god damn it yeah just another thing and what's really hard about all of this is like yeah that was just one moment but in reality The younger demographic is starting to look like it could be more up for grabs or at the very least less of a guarantee for the Democrats because young people are really pissed off about what's happening in Gaza. Mm -hmm. And they're really pissed off that from their point of view, the administration isn't doing enough to support the people of Gaza. So that is a very real way in which the Trump campaign could be looking at this 18 to 34 year old age group and saying, hey, these people are not happy with this major geopolitical situation that has unfolded under the Biden administration. This could be our in. And if we're clever about the way that we make inroads with young people, it could move the needle because we know it's going to be a very close election. And it only takes a, f- you know, a few thousand votes in some of these um, higher impact states to really tip the election, to tip the scales. So that is definitely very, very concerning to me. And then the optics of this ice cream situation just like are the literal cherry on top. I mean, it sounds really silly, but at the same time, we've also seen how like awkward missteps like the ice cream incident can completely derail public opinion. Like who was it that like shouted weird? And then it was it Mike Huckabee. Sh- and that oh, was all. Oh, uh, Do you remember Dean, that? Dean. Dean. Oh yeah. Dean. Oh, Howard Dean. Yeah. Howard Dean. Howard Dean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like he couldn't ever live that down and he was doing pretty well before the the yeah well how times have changed Mm -hmm. that used to kill your political aspirations and now that that wouldn't even move the needle that'd be just like it might might, i mean to laura's point about being cringe or being awkward i guess i think it honestly just depends on whether it humanizes you or whether it makes you really cringy and shows that you're not human at all because you are doing something that is unnatural to your normal behavior. I think that yeah. is really what 
decides it one way or the other as to whether an awkward viral moment makes you more popular and increases um, support or decreases it. The thing with that scream is it felt outlandish at the time, no matter who it was, just a political candidate going, yeah, "Yeah," it was just it was just bizarre. In today's day and age where yelling on TikTok is the norm, like that would not. That's why I think that one moved the needle. The more outrageous you Mm -hmm. act on there, the better. I mean, this is part of the reason getting back to some of these other things we've been talking about tonight. This is part of the reason why Trump's a hit, because he says whatever's on his mind. Like Laura's talking about Biden being a little more loose. Trump does cut loose. He's like, I can only see the black people right now. He just speaks his mind. People like that. It's certainly not an excuse to be crass like that. But I think that Biden could move a little bit more in that direction within reason so that he seems human to people. I think when you're trying to appeal to younger generations, authenticity is huge. And there is so little authenticity in elected officials at this point that I I think that's what's really making it difficult. And to that point, Katie in our Facebook group said, I think the upcoming generation has more criticism towards USA pride and motivations than their predecessors, meaning that Younger generations are more comfortable saying, hey, this country ain't perfect. And, you know, I may like it here. I may not like it here, but I'm also not afraid to say what I think could be better or what I think really sucks. And I think amongst older generations, it was a lot more common to sort of get in line and think your country could do no wrong. And not really entertain that possibility. But I think if you want to appeal to younger generations, showing that you have the capacity of nuance, which is a dying art in this world, can really help, again, move the needle in a race that is going to be so, so tight. Well, speaking of what else we would like to see him do, I think he should continue to play into the conspiracy theories After the Super Bowl, we saw Joe Biden post on his social media channels a photo of him with his red laser eyes, you know, the dark Brandon photo. And remember, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and there were conspiracy theories that Joe Biden and Taylor Swift were working together when it came to the Super Bowl. So Biden posts after the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, just like we drew it up. And there's a photo of dark Brandon with his red laser eyes. That was perfect play into play into the conspiracy theories be like yeah sure we're working together and here i am admitting it with my dark brandon eyes and what i also loved about this is they're posting this after the super bowl when everybody is still drunk and everybody's seeing this (laughs) it's just awesome timing this post on twitter alone got 228 million views half a million likes People love this stuff, this unique content that we're not expecting from a president. Yeah, I agree. They should lean into that so much more. And hopefully we're going to see more of it after they saw the success of that tweet. Um, Something else that they've been doing right to appeal to young voters. Anytime Biden is able to get a swath of people's student loans forgiven, he sends them a letter. I mean, he doesn't personally send the letter, but the White House sends out letters to all of these people explaining their loans have been forgiven and they're signed by Joe Biden to really yeah. help drive the point home. Like, this is the White House that forgave your student loans. This does remind me, though, of when Trump's signature was on COVID stimulus checks <laughs> that were sent out by the U.S. Oh, Treasury. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you know, those... I swear to God, that's why I, I'm so embarrassed to admit this. That's why I was, ta- I was talking to one of my aunts the other day. She said, I don't know, maybe I'll vote for Trump again, because at least there was money coming <sighs> in when Trump was in office. And I was like, please don't tell me you're falling for that shit. And then I went on a tangent. But it's like, <laughs> I really think that maybe that's what it was for people that just don't follow news. Well, and it's it's taking advantage of the fact that they don't understand that that was their money to begin with. Like, yes, that's your tax money that you <laughs> already paid the government. Kept telling her she was like, you know, you have to claim that on your taxes, right? Like it wasn't free. Mm-hmm. 
when that story broke, when we learned that that would be happening, I was actually sick to my stomach just thinking about how that could potentially impact the election. Luckily, it didn't. But well, I mean, it may have a little bit, but Biden won. Um, But now we get to turn the tables and we get to do it ourselves with Biden sending a letter. And I just want to remind everybody about one other example of how Biden's White House has done a great job at getting attention online. Remember back in August 2022, the White House was snapping back at Twitter critics of student loan relief. Quoting them now, in six tweets, the White House account quoted a Republican representative's criticism of President Biden's student loan plan and replied with how much money that Republican member of Congress had accepted in forgiven loans as part of the Paycheck Protection Program, which was intended to help businesses during the coronavirus pandemic. It was a simple formula and one that had been employed all over social media at that point. But given the source at White House, The tone was unusually pointed. The approach had its fans on Twitter. This is the best White House trolling ever, one wrote. So yeah, it just hits at a whole different level when it's coming from at White House, at POTUS, at Joe Biden. Lean into that. That's what we the people want. Agreed. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Get Howard Dean on here. Fun fact. We need to isolate that clip. We should. (laughs) So fun fact, even although I was nowhere near old enough to vote at the time, uh, I was a Howard Dean supporter back before um, his. Yeah, (laughs) you say. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I was I was about to be like, fuck you for mocking me. But anyway, um, (laughs) I I was a big Howard Dean fan back in the day and like caucused for him and participated in a bunch of events around Atlanta and I remember seeing that scream live on TV after the Iowa caucus and knowing he was cooked. I was like, there's no way he comes back. from this. But I do want to say as like a kind of a, a way to tie a bow on this discussion, you know, the Biden and Trump campaigns good could go to chat GPT. To get some suggestions, ChatGPT is able to scour the web for trends and resources and all the things the kids are into way faster than they'll be able to. So I actually asked it to come up with some fun and funny ideas for how to engage with voters aged 18 to 34. And it actually gave me separate lists, one for Biden and one for Trump. So it actually differentiated by candidate what it thought would be the most impactful. So for Biden, the top one was meme challenges, which felt very appropriate. For both of them, it recommended virtual town hall gaming sessions. So I guess it could be something where one of the candidates hosts a gaming stream over Twitch, but then uses it as an opportunity to take questions from the chat. This is actually something that AOC did during covid she was playing Among Us on Twitch and using it to take town hall questions, which was pretty cool. Um, they also recommended that Biden could make a playlist collaboration where he invites young voters to contribute to a collaborative Spotify playlist, which could be very fun and cool to be part of. And for Biden, it also recommends doing a pet photo contest. <laughs> and I thought uh-huh. it was funny that it recommended this one specifically for Biden Because for Trump, it recommended an outdoor adventure photo contest. So Uh, it would. Yeah. And and what's funny about that is I don't imagine Donald Trump taking part in any outdoor adventures if it's not on a golf course. No, he doesn't appreciate nature. (laughs) Yeah, except for on the golf course. Good point. Right. So, I mean, look at ChatGPT. Honestly, some of these ideas could be better than some of the shit that y'all have been doing already. If you're really trying to appeal to the kids. I can't see Biden getting on Twitch and and playing Mario Kart. He's going to get his ass whooped. Yeah, no, somebody would have to do it. Like, he would just need to be on camera, right? Uh Uh-huh. Being like, oh, yeah, I just dropped that banana. Giving him a fake control. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I I don't think he should lie. I think he should just be present on the stream and maybe have one of his staffers who, you know, is under the age of 50 playing. It would be funny if he got like his best driver, you know, like a military trained. <laughs> that would be, be interesting, funny. Like chauffeur. cheering and cheering him on and stuff. 
Yeah, to see if like who in the public could beat his best trained driver. Or I want to see Biden throw a blue shell at Kamala and be like, take this, bitch. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> what a way for him to announce that he's dropping her from the ticket. Trump would, def- <laughs> Trump would definitely play as Bowser, but who would Biden play as? Shy guy? Toad? You don't think he'd be Toad? I feel like he would I play feel like toad. he would be Toad. Yeah. And then Jill can be Toadette. That'd be so cute. Aww. That would be really cute. That would be adorable. <laughs> you don't think that Trump would be Wario? Yeah, I don't know. Bowser or Trump wants to be the biggest, baddest guy. That's that's his thing. He's evil. I mean, and he leans I into don't know. it. Mm-hmm. All of Wario's attacks are him farting on people. And that just feels like something that would delight <laughs> Donald Trump. So I don't have that edition of Mario Kart. You're going to have to share that with me. Well, I don't know if that's if it's in Mario Kart, but definitely oh. in Mario Golf, Mario Party. Oh, cool. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're like, oh, cool. Fart attacks. <laughs> all right well we are going to discuss some money related topics that we think you should know about but first we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back okay so i have a collection of money related stories i really wanted to talk about with y'all first of all there is this new study out the average person spends one thousand dollars per year on subscriptions. This is a new Bango survey titled Subscription Wars 2024, and it reveals that the average American subscriber pays $924 yearly for subscriptions, which works out to $77 a month. Moreover, a quarter of those surveyed, 5,000 people, pay more than $100 a month, while 5% pay an eye-watering $200 a month. Beyond the exorbitant overall cost of streaming and subscriptions, the survey also reveals some of the ways consumers are changing their spending and possibly how fragmented the market has become. 57% of the 5,000 people surveyed have canceled a subscription due to recent price hikes, while more than a third reported upgrading a subscription after an ad-supported version launched. Despite rising costs and ongoing cost of living pressure, 67% still feel like they can't afford all the subscriptions that they would like. Relatable. So we've talked about subscriptions a lot on this show, and I thought we could shake it up by, for the first time, revealing how much precisely the hosts of Millennial are spending on subscriptions every month and every year and how we stack up to the people in this Bango survey. So the ground rules... We were looking to add up monthly and yearly subscriptions for things like streaming apps, Patreon, OnlyFans, music apps, fitness apps, food subscriptions, any sort of pass you may pay monthly or annually for, like a gym membership, a national park pass, Amazon Prime, video game online subscriptions, Costco. But we're not including necessities, so no utility bills, cell phone bills, Apple Care warranty. And sorry, Costco is not a necessity as much as we all love it. So we have to include it. And then we're going to break our totals down into two. So we've got streaming TV, movie, and music subscriptions only. And then those three things plus everything else that I mentioned. So for streaming TV, movie, and music, I am spending $95.64 per month. Uh, for a total of $1,147.68 per year. I will note that that is our household. So uh, we, we've we got that dual income life going on in Casa T. Laz. So it's not just me paying for all of this on my own. So if I wanted to get really technical about it, I'm spending half of that amount. But For the purposes of this discussion, we're looking at households. Um, And then for all of that, plus everything else, I'm spending $245.64 a month or $2,947.68 a year. And that is on my personal trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Are are you talking about that digital personal training? Yeah. What is that called again? Future future but you really like it i like it uh i've been with them for coming up on two years now and it's honestly the most consistent i've ever been so to me it feels like it's worth every penny absolutely if it's keeping you motivated and all that and you like who you work with yeah that's that's super cool all right so it sounds like you're a little above average 
But again, your numbers are pre-splitting with Mark. So when you take that into consideration, you're kind of below average, arguably. Pam, where do you stack up? So for the streaming TV, movie music, et cetera category, I'm spending $49.54 a month for a total of $594.48 per year. And then when you add in everything else, it bumps up to $74.54 a month for a total of $894.48 per year. I'm not quite dual income, but I do split some of these things with other people. So it's a little bit less than my actual total. What is your biggest subscription? Like Laura's was the fitness app. My biggest subscription monthly. Yeah, let's say that. Technically, it's Amazon Prime, even though I pay that yearly. So it's $11.94. I've cut back a lot in the last few years just because everything's getting so expensive. So I'm really among this group of people in this survey that have cut back because of price hikes. So like I've also um, like some people I've cut back to like ad supported tiers for streaming services that I really like to. And I know that for some people they just can't deal with ads. Honestly, if it's the difference between like getting a few ads and like cutting another streaming service that I would prefer to keep, I'd rather just like, bump both of those down to an ad supported tier and call it a day because then you get two for the price of one really right yeah and honestly the ads can be nice as a way to like get up refresh your glass of water go pee really quick stuff like that so i like it check your Mm -hmm. phone so i don't mind it from that perspective so for me i think i take the cake here amongst the three of us streaming tv movie and music $104.82 and $1,257 per year. So this is before splitting with Pat. Um, Adding everything else in as well, like Planet Fitness, and I got a Peloton membership too, $192.82 per month, $2,313 per year. My most expensive Mm. subscription is actually YouTube TV. And I don't really, mm. and that's seventy two ninety nine a month. Yeah, you're basically getting traditional cable streamed. I like it. We like having Jeopardy. We like having live TV. You know the award shows. There's like plenty of stuff that we actually get out of it. It sucks that it's this much money. When I first started being a YouTube TV customer, it was probably like forty five fifty dollars a month. They've been raising the prices quite a bit, so that's been frustrating. But it, overall, it's a great service. So I'm I'm happy to pay, I'm not happy to pay that much, but I want to continue paying for it. I want that in my life. I'm surprised it's not the Peloton subscription. Yeah, I would have guessed that too. How much is the Peloton subscription? That's only $44 a month. Wow. And that went up last year, two years ago. I believe it was like $35 a month. So, so is yeah. that just for the subscription or does that include if you have monthly payments on the equipment? Oh, yeah, that doesn't include the equipment. Oh, uh, OK. Would you do you think you should have added that? Uh, I bought it outright when I first bought it. So, no. Yeah. yeah. Oh, OK. OK, that's fine. With, yeah. if you can do it. That's the smart way to do it so that you're not yeah. stuck with that extra monthly expense. But yeah. I, I kind of figured it was like I thought that you could either buy it up front or finance it. So. That's good to know. Yeah. The leasing is fairly new, I think, because they ran into some money trouble. So they're trying to offset. Yeah. They've added some new options for getting the bikes, too, because they are expensive. But they are very, very nice pieces of equipment. You know, it's often said about exercise bikes. Oh, they turn into clothing hangers. That's a you problem. I love Peloton. If you can't keep up with Peloton and get yourself on the bike yourself, that's a you problem. It's not a Peloton problem. It's not a a gym membership problem. You just got to get your shit together. Peloton's great. I love the instructors. Um, And it's not just biking. You can do uh, strength classes and all that. I'm going to keep that in mind because this happens all the time where I'll wake up in the morning and be like, oh, I don't want to work out today. And I'll just imagine Andrew in my head being like, you got to get your shit together. Get your shit together. It's a you problem, Laura. (laughs) Do you work out in the morning? That's what you normally like to do? Yeah. Okay. Like before work? 
I do the same thing. Yeah, like I don't like to do it because I would prefer to sleep in. But honestly, my day is so much better when I do work out in the morning. So this is just one of the many concessions I've had to make to living in a nine to five adult society. Yeah. Well, the other nice thing about working out in the morning is once it's done, you're like, oh, okay, I'm awake now. I got it out of the way. the way. Or you could just be like me and feel like you're tricking yourself because you're not fully there yet, right? Yeah. That's what I do. Just like I I don't have enough energy to think about what I'm doing, so I'm just going to (laughs) go. See, I guess why why I'm very partly very reliable with working out is because I work out normally around like 11 or 12, and by that point in my workday, I'm ready to die. And I want to leave the computer and forget about work. And I want to feel energized. I need a dopamine hit. So I I, I like need it. I need that Peloton workout. <laughs> and they, uh, you know, the instructors keep you distracted and entertained and stuff, too. So anyway, I have some good news, actually. Consumers are finally putting their foot down when it comes to price hikes. Major companies have recently revealed they're hitting resistance from customers This is the news that we've been waiting for as inflation has sent our typical purchases soaring in recent years, whether it's with subscriptions, food, etc. I'll give you a couple specific examples. McDonald's and Pepsi have both said in the last week that their sale numbers are declining in light of raising prices. Ha! Take that, mother effers. So from the New York Times... This article, will food prices stop rising quickly? Many companies say yes. The soda and snack maker PepsiCo had raised prices by double-digit percentages for seven straight quarters. And while that streak ended at the close of 2023, PepsiCo still raised prices by 9% in the final months of the year. But all those price jumps on sodas and chips have started to bite. (laughs) The company recently posted a surprise drop in sales. PepsiCo's chief executive said on a recent earnings call that the company would be less likely to raise prices beyond normal pricing levels, around 2 to 3% per year. So that's a big difference. The firm is seeing milder cost increases on ingredients and is focusing more on keeping sales up, he explained. Meanwhile, James Quincy, the chief exec of Coke, explained on a recent earnings call that the company had seen a stark divide among U.S. customers. Some are under financial stress and are facing a real spending power squeeze, while others still have plenty of money, plenty of purchasing power to spend on lactose-free milk and protein shakes. Walmart, the nation's largest retailer, reported strong U.S. sales in the fourth quarter, in part as more higher-income households turned to the value chain for grocery shopping. And then on the McDonald's front, Prices at McDonald's jumped as much as 10% last year, and just a few months ago, the company's CEO bragged about the chain's ability to push prices through the roof while still posting strong sales. With McDonald's now reporting weaker-than-expected sales at its U.S. stores, execs are finally acknowledging customers need a break. In early February, McDonald's indicated the chain would cut prices on some menu items. Details on the timing or size of any price cuts weren't announced. So I'm very happy to see this. We're finally getting what we've been waiting for. The people are saying, no, I'm not spending that much. And the companies are noticing and they're going to start reducing prices or at least slowing down the increases. Yeah. And I think there are probably other factors having to do with it as well. Like um, Zian in our Discord is pointing out that people have also been boycotting McDonald's. Um, again, re- related to the war in Gaza. So McDonald's even came out on an earnings call in early February saying that the conflict uh, in in Gaza has contributed to some of their sales taking a little bit of a dive. Now, I mentioned the New York Times article with comments from Pepsi and Coca-Cola. That article was published last week, and there was a line in that article about Wendy's planning on testing dynamic pricing. We were planning on talking about this on today's episode. Today and yesterday, this story blew up. People finally noticed this little mention in the New York Times. So quoting the New York Times again here, 
They say, of course, there is a way to cover higher costs without raising prices. Companies can improve their productivity so that each worker can stock more shelves, flip more burgers, or wait more tables. That is partly what Wendy's is doing. The fast food chain is rolling out digital menus, hoping they enable immediate benefits to order accuracy, improve crew experience, and allow for sales growth. Wendy's also plans to try out dynamic pricing, said a Wendy's exec, using technology to change prices to meet consumer demand. I'm just, I'm literally imagining surge pricing. (laughs) (laughs) There's three cars in line at the drive-thru. Raise the prices, raise the prices. No, I'm imagining like, uh, from like 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., the prices go up when when people are rolling through the drive-thru and they're too drunk to notice that the prices have gone up. This is not a suggestion that you should drink and drive. But late at night when you're craving food. Oh, yeah. There's never a longer line at a like yeah. Jack in the Box, for example, than after 10 p.m. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or what if you're ordering from these restaurants on Uber Eats or DoorDash at 2 a.m. when you're drunk or high off your ass and you get hit with the delivery fee, the tip plus the dynamic pricing, you're going to end up spending like $60 on fucking Wendy's. Surge charge. (laughs) There's been so much backlash over the last 24 hours, and rightfully so. This is nonsense because we're getting nickeled and dimed any chance they get, any opportunity they see. Thinking back last year when AMC was like, oh, you know what? We're going to start charging you different prices depending on what seat in the theater you sit in. forgot about that. They backtracked on that plan. And maybe that's what Wendy's will do, too. They'll backtrack because this is not a good look. And Wendy's, I mean, they're hardly one of the biggest fast food restaurants. Like if if I know Wendy's has dynamic pricing, I don't I don't need that square burger in my life. I'm going to go over to McDonald's or Burger King or In-N-Out. The phrase dynamic pricing, it's kind of a newer phrase. We think about it with Ticketmaster and um, like I mentioned, AMC trying the dynamic pricing. But maybe dynamic pricing has always existed, but just sort of like in reverse in a good way with sexier branding. For example, I'm thinking about happy hours. Prices get cheaper from four to seven. Or you go to a diner and they've got the early bird specials. Yeah, my local uh, mom and pop coffee shop, they actually just rolled out an early bird special. So if you go right when they open from 7 to 7.30, you can get a dollar off your coffee. I believe it's just coffee. Let me double check. Yes, on all coffee drinks, which is a deal because... As I'm sure anybody who's ever been to like a craft coffee shop knows, it's always going to be a little bit more expensive than a Starbucks, a pizza fills, right? So um, I think that this is like a direct result of them probably seeing a decrease in business because people are trying to cut back wherever they can and they're trying to bring people back into the shop. Well, and speaking of coffee shops, Dunkin', Starbucks, Dutch, we've all got those apps and they're all sending these alerts every month. Hey, this Tuesday, buy one, get one. The local shops have to compete with the big boys who are rolling out uh, discounts on a weekly or at least monthly basis. After you told me about that, Pam, the next day I went into a local coffee shop here And I saw a sign for the first time. They have their own happy hour, 25% off on weekdays before 7 a.m. and after 5 p.m. That's really good. I think when we're hearing headlines about dynamic pricing, like this Wendy's one sucks and hopefully they backtrack on it. But maybe dynamic pricing isn't as new as we feel that it is. It's just always been like a better deal that we get. Now, if Wendy's offers like Wendy hour which sounds a little dirty, but, you know, from five to seven, you get a dollar off a burger. That's dynamic pricing. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the point of that is to attract more people, right? That's the whole point of happy hour. It's the reason why ladies nights exist at bars and clubs, too. They're trying to get more people in the door because ultimately, the more people you get in the door, the more money they're going to end up spending. Yeah. Even if you're giving away some free or discounted products. But this idea of treating fast food like a fucking Uber or a taxi is not going to fly. People just won't go. Dynamic pricing is a dirty word these days. You cannot use that, Wendy's. 
It, it just because it, it evokes the idea that you're going to get charged more, right? Like dynamic pricing is never a right. good thing. Mm-hmm. They should have, if they had phrased that better, they might not be feeling some of the heat. Because, you know, I will say that um, like every once in a while when I'm, well, lately I should say when I've been tuning into something on cable like a Jeopardy, the Wendy's is doing a lot of commercial advertising and it's for breakfast deals. It's like, two for three dollars or like two for five dollars. And to me, given how insane the prices are getting for fast food, it's something like a McDonald's, like they're clearly trying to get people to come over to their side. Right. This is just not the best way to do it. Or maybe it was just poor phrasing. I just wanted to say quickly here, I know we're talking about um, some very American centric companies that also have a global presence, but just to put a little bit more of a global perspective on it, Michelle in our Discord, who is from Australia, actually just told us that Woolworths, which is a grocery store there, has just announced they're tackling inflation by dropping prices on 400 products by 18% for the next three months. Nice. Wow. So that's their dynamic pricing. Three months, you're great. And then after three months, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully they're going to stay at that price i i hope Mm. so hopefully that's not like an extended dynamic pricing scenario three months only you get your eggs for cheaper uh this honestly makes me so happy we've gotten so tired of all this inflation and shrinkflation and it's been frustrating to watch partly because it's like you go into costco you don't see people filling their carts any less it's like the price increases haven't stopped anybody from purchasing but actually Underneath the surface, it sounds like it is starting to slow people down. So, ah. Yeah. Well, it just, it forces people to constrain their budgets in other places, right? So if you're thinking about, we're all sitting here talking about streaming services and how some of us have cut back on those things. I mean, why, why do we think that's happening? It's happening because people are having to spend more on the basic necessities Streaming services are not basic necessities, and that's where that cut is coming from. So really, these industries are all competing with each other <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. One other, now this is not good news, money item to share. And it is important to know because it's probably going to affect most people. American Airlines is bumping up their checked bag price to $40. Now, one reason I want to mention this is because when one airline brings up their bag prices, others tend to follow. So your favorite airline might be raising their prices, too, over the next year. I will say, for anybody looking for a little airline hack to avoid these baggage fees, of course, as most people know, Southwest Airlines allows you to bring uh, two checked bags without a fee. So that's great. But also, numerous airline credit cards offer a free checked bag with that airline as one of the credit card perks. So, for example, I have the Chase United Explorer card, and you get a free checked bag for you and a companion that you're traveling with. Now, there's no annual fee the first year that you have this credit card, but after that, it is $95 a year. There are other benefits, like you get two lounge passes a year. So definitely check out your favorite airline's credit card if you're looking to avoid these checked bag fees. And here's something I did not know until researching this story. Checked bag fees only came into existence in 2008. I would have assumed it happened much earlier than that. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what exactly the justification was for it at the time. I'm sure the airline uh, companies were telling us a sob story about how close their margins were or some such shit like that. Rising cost of fuel. Yeah. I think this was also when they said they were going to get rid of the, remember, they were going to get rid of the snacks on board. And I think they walked that back because people were like, not the peanuts. Give me my little (laughs) bag of pretzels. I know. Honestly, take that shit away. Let me check my bag for fucking free. Jesus Christ. You don't want the free ginger ale? (laughs) What has better margins, the checked bag or uh, the little bag of pretzels? I'm going to say they make more money off those checked bags. Oh, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But they're also not keeping 
the cost to fly reasonable either. So not only have we been hit with these checked bag costs, but we're also paying more than ever for our airline tickets. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it'd be one thing if they were like, hey, we're going to have you pay to check your bag so that we don't have to increase your ticket prices. But, you know, that that's not the system we live in. So stupid. Well, thank you to the Biden administration for trying to block the merging of JetBlue and Spirit, because that's why prices go up. All right. Hey, uh, Pam, I am. My name is Pam. What's coming up in After Dark this week for our awesome patrons who subscribe to us? We have a brand new edition of Muggle Sack, but it's um, past fandom sites we've worked on edition. So we're going to be extending that to talking about some other grievances we have had in the past with people on other sites like um, Twilight Source and Hypable, which we hardly talk about, but it'll be juicy for sure. But we're still scarred from those websites, too. It wasn't just yeah. MuggleNet. It all comes from the same <laughs> pot, you know? Exactly. There's a lot well, of overlap in fandom drama. They're all muggles, so. And they suck. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Someone's not over something. I was about to say, also, the relationships between fan sites at that time were pretty incestuous. Mm-hmm. Like... A lot of us who were working on MuggleNet were also working on other things. I know with Twilight Source, it was that way. And I think with Hypable, you probably had some of that, too. Mm-hmm. So saw a lot of the same faces. Mm-hmm. True. <laughs> After Dark is part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show without ads with After Dark attached to the end. And if you're a Spotify user, you can tap into the show and then click the Patreon banner, and then you'll be able to access the Patreon audio benefits like Mega Millennial right within Spotify. Some other Patreon benefits you can look forward to variety shows like our latest one in which we're playing the New York Times Connections game. And don't forget, execs and bays also get our brand new roll call benefit in which we're surprise calling each other and shooting the shit for a while. And our executive producer tier gets you inside access to two of our planning meetings per month. So if you want the inside scoop, if you want the tea on what's going into those planning meetings, this is the tier for you. Prefer to support us somewhere else? There's also the Apple Podcast subscription where you'll get Mega Millennial. Both Apple Podcasts and Patreon offer discounted access to our benefits thanks to a seven-day free trial and annual subscriptions. Time for some recommendations. What do you have for us, Pam? I wanted to recommend something that's just going to make your life easier if you are somebody that carries around a purse or a bag with you. Um, so my recommendation is the Clippa bag Clippa bag hanger, and I like this because it's pretty strong and it looks like it doesn't really look like a normal bag hanger. It just looks like a little bangle. But I got one of these for Christmas, and it's so handy because. Now, even if there's no bag hook, if you go to a bar or a restaurant, instead of having to like put your bag on the ground or put it behind you where someone could snatch it or like keep it on your lap, you can just hang it from like almost any surface. And yeah, it's really great. It is $17.99 if you buy it off of Amazon, which is a little bit expensive, I would think. But I've already gotten so much use out of it that even if I didn't get this as a gift, I would buy it for myself. And they have a bunch of different colors. So it's um, really easy to find one that you'll like. You can like transfer it from bag to bag. It's great. I would like to recommend an app that Mama T actually recommended to me over the weekend. It's called Too Good To Go. Um, They are an app that was founded to help fight food waste. And the way it works is... Too Good To Go actually uses location services to identify participating restaurants and shops around you that are packing up their leftovers into these grab bags so that you can come pick them up at the shop or at the restaurant, get some leftover food that they would otherwise have to throw away and only pay a few dollars for it. So looking at the app on my end, I'm seeing grab bags at really good restaurants and bakeries around me. Um, Also some independent like produce shops where you're seeing these grab bags on there for like $6. And they advertise that oftentimes the value of what's in the bag is $10, sometimes $12. So if 
if you're looking for a way to put a small dent in the food waste problem, but you're also looking for a way to get around some of these crazy inflation prices, I definitely recommend checking out the app Too Good To Go. I want to recommend a book, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. This is by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's a old Hollywood romance across several decades, and it's queer-themed. I got involved with a book club recently that I had heard about, and it's a gay book club, and this was their book. It's written by the same author who wrote Daisy Jones and the Six, and that's a book-turned-show that we've recommended before. Pam in particular did. Um, I listened to the audiobook of The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo uh, through Spotify because they let you listen to audiobooks for free now. Like You get 15 hours a month if you're a premium member. So I decided to take advantage of that. And the audiobook was great. Really great narrators. So it was an excellent listen. Make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and or Spotify. Spotify also offers podcast listeners the option to submit feedback right within an individual episode page. You'll see a box under the Spotify episode player that says, what did you think about this episode that you can use to send us feedback? You can also email millennialshow at gmail.com or use the contact form or the anonymous confessional on millennialshow.com. And be sure to give us a follow on social media for show highlights. We are Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. And over on TikTok, we are at Millennial Pod. Thanks, everybody, for listening. After Dark starts in a moment for patrons and Apple Podcast subscribers. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye.